Zatujcie. 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 Podcast dedicated to all things Zatoichi. I am your host Patrick, and with me is my co-host Jason. Hey Patrick. Hey. It's been Jason. a long time, man. How you been? Yeah, I've been all right. How about you? Been all right. Oh, thank God. Yeah. It worked this time. Yeah, we just had it. <laughs> we just recorded this introduction like four times because there's something weird with Skype, and we can't figure out what the fact what's like factoring in to make it like that. But I think we're okay now. Yeah, if anybody's experienced delays when using any sort of online uh, call cast or whatever, that's what we were going through. We couldn't figure it out. But this sounds like a this sounds like the third or fourth time's a charm. I yeah, forget. This, this is take this is take four according to okay. That. So um, we are going to talk about 1968's um, Samaritan Zatoichi. And that is the last movie of 1968. We, me and Jason actually spoke about this movie in real life like three months ago when we watched it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, when we met up in Hollywood uh, and for uh, Halloween Horror Nights and all those those great horror films that we saw. Um, yeah, we were talking about this film, excited to record it. And then life, holidays, all that stuff, all that got in the way. Yeah. So glad to be back here talking with you about Zatuichi, and in particular, this one, Samaritan Zatuichi. This, um, this movie's really fucking weird, and it's weird in, yeah. like, really subtle way. It's it's weird in a sense that... It's weird if you, like, have watched other Zatuichi movies, and, like, if you were to watch this right off the bat, your impression of Zatuichi would be a little strange, like, especially if you haven't seen the other ones, because, like, it, mm-hmm. it's sort of... It almost seems like it's a prequel. Like, none of them really have, like, a, a continuity to them, except for, like, the first three movies. But this one, for sure, seems like it's, you know, it may have happened before the other ones. And there's nothing to confirm or deny that either, so... <laughs> I was going to join in with you on on saying that, uh, because um, this is such a, a weirdly structured film in comparison to, like, the classic Zatoichi structure that we have. It all kind of looks like the usual Zatoichi fare, but uh, it's so, so different. Like, for one, he fails at everything. Yeah. And so, that's that's not a Zatoichi characteristic at all. He like, there, are, there are instances of him, like, being good at, like, the typical Zatoichi stuff. Like, like um, you know. Carnival games. Yeah, carnival. Yeah. Being, doing cool blind stuff, essentially. But, yeah. like, in reality, like, there's so much shit that's so different about this than, like, like, right off the bat, one of them is the fact that he's, like, an active Yakuza enforcer, which was not a thing, like, that happened in the other... It was in, it was talked about in the other movies. Like, it's... it's con- Continuity-wise, it's correct. Like, he is a... He's a... a what's it called? An enforcer for the Yakuza, but you never actually see any of this, you know, enforcing happen except for this movie. Yeah, that's true. And that's, like, how we first start off... Um... Well, not to get ahead of ourselves, the very first part of this film is also very different. Um, 
we've seen like very brief introductions for a lot of these films where it'll just be Zatoichi, he'll say something, then a title card appears. In this case, like he's interacting with some kids, like he's going down the road, and the kids are trying to catch a bird, and he's trying to convince them, like, oh, if you take these sweet beans and soak them in sake, the birds will eat them, become drunk, and then you can catch them. That's the way to do it. And the kids are like, the kids don't really go anywhere with that, and I'm trying to see how it applies to this film at large. But the weirdest part is that, like, this uh, pre-title card sequence involves Atuichi trying to cross this this um, low-waiting stream or river, and he's doing an okay job of it, like, on these posts or, like, some sort of makeshift bridge. But the bridge is out, like, towards the end of it. He falls down, and uh, the antagonist for this one passes him on the bridge. And it's just, like, this shot of Zatuichi clumsily clamoring in this deep part of the stream that he fell into and he's just like oh my god i can't believe this happened this water is freezing and then the title card comes up with like that immediate fanfare it was real weird like the first time i watched this back in october i'm like this is a very strange way to begin one of these films yeah especially because like there's i mean like you know, lots of jokes get played on Zatoichi, especially, like, in the later movies, but in terms of, like, Zatoichi as a character, he's pretty, like, I guess, unrealistically flawless, I suppose, is what I'm looking for. Like, yeah. there's a lot of shit that happens in, like, these movies that, like, logically can't happen to somebody, and, like, he seems to escape without, like, or somebody who's blind, and he seems to just be able to, like, handle it like it's nothing. And, like, there's... There's a lot of daunting shit that also happens like that. Like the horse riding scene was really weird. <laughs> that was yeah, like the, that's that was like the part in Blind Fury where he where he drives a truck. <laughs> yeah, there's you're right. There's like a um, there's a bunch of blind <coughs> blind disadvantaged sequences where he is able to get the upper hand that are so unlike the ones that we've seen before. And, like, the stuff that we have seen before, he fails at. Like, the gambling den. He's yeah. no good at that. Like, we see him as a Yakuza because, like, he's usually able to avoid those types of responsibilities as a as a Yakuza cast within the Masur system. Like, he's still Yakuza as a Masur, but he's never really called on to be a, an enforcer. And then even, like, his final bout with the Ronin, like that antagonist that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Even that is just like a clumsy battle for Zatoichi in this one. However, he rides a fucking horse. Like he's blind and controlling a horse. And the, the cover art for this depicts that is sequence. It, is that happening? <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it's great to watch, but you're just like, this is real strange. He's able to do this. What's kind of interesting is that the Ronin in this movie almost sort of plays the archetype that like Zatoichi has in the other films. Like he's the gun for hire. Um, that doesn't really like have any loyalty one way or the other. Cause he was basically hired to kill Zatoichi, correct? Yeah. And even, and this isn't so much like a Zatoichi trade or anything. It's just, this was a weird part of the film itself is that he's approached by, um, the Yakuza clan that's in this nearby city where Zatoichi's passing through. And the scene goes like this. They approach the Ronin in mass. They're like, hey, we want you to kill that blind guy. And then he sh he's like, here's my price. Or no, he's, he shrugs it off. He's like, no way. Not, never. I'm not going to do that. 
And then it immediately cuts to the next scene where it's like just a different shot of them walking along. And the Ronin's like, okay, you piqued my interest. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like we missed a piece of dialogue to show what piqued his interest. But this guy is is ready to go. He just needs to get the right price for it. And Which that's like his own hangout. A box of gold. Like a box of gold. A couple thousand Rio. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I guess like the main... Um, I suppose, like, the main, like, uh, uh, crux of this movie is Zatoichi goes to kill a man who has not paid his debt up to the Yakuza boss. Yeah, that's the enforcement job that he's set yeah. to go on. He's set up as an observer just to, like, kind of pay his pay his dues, but then he ends up being the guy. And, I mean, he takes this dude out, and, of course, like, you know, that's just like any other Zatoichi movie. This isn't the end of it. In terms mm -hmm. of like where like this isn't the the end of this dude's story because of course in comes his sister, um, yeah. who I believe witnesses the murder or at least she's informed of it, and um, she shows up like immediately after yeah. sees her brother dead and has the money that her brother owed the yakuza, <clears throat> and this woman is uh, the character name is uh, Osode. Osode. And mm -hmm. she ends up being the, the semi, well, the love interest of the story throughout the rest of the film. Um, she ends up traveling with Zatuichi uh, under the guise that I believe she's trying to kill him. Um, Zatuichi, of course, gets into his typical uh, typical adventures, including like we said, or um, including like you said in the gambling den, where it's revealed that Zatuichi at least sometimes cheats because he's rolling weighted dice. Which is yeah. extremely unusual. Um, that hasn't happened before in any of these movies. Yeah, uh, Zatuichi is usually one to find fault in in how the game is corrupt. But to your point, it's the uh, mystery. This Ronin um, name. His name is Yasaburo. So Yasaburo finds Ichi at the gambling den. Ichi's not having good luck. He's Ichi's trying to make some money. He's trying to compound his winnings so he can pay for the inn where he and Sode, who have have been like traveling with uh, each other, they'd stayed at. And also they had called for a doctor because Sode wasn't feeling well. Or at least that was a cover-up when Sode tries to assassinate Zatuichi. And Zatuichi plays it off like, oh, you must be feeling sick. You're, you're flailing about. Um, so Zatuichi is trying to make good. He's not doing so hot. And Yasaburo is there. Zatuichi is just trying to sell his cane, playing off only as a cane, and Yasaburo takes him up on hit uh, in order for Zatuichi to make a little bit of money so he can make his winnings back. But Yasaburo notices, like, yeah, right off the bat, I knew that this was a cane sword. Like, he hasn't seen it yet in operation, but he's like, he's a smart cookie. So when he goes up against Yasaburo, uh, Yasaburo is the one to identify that the dice are weighted, the one that Zatuichi had spilled, had, like, been trying to cheat with that's a classic zatuichi move though zatuichi is usually the one to find out like how the game is being rigged so to have like this antagonist do it plays into that thing where you're like this is like the anti-zatuichi <laughs> like he's he's basically playing whatever side against the other and figuring out how the dice game is messed up and all that stuff now what's what's weird about this is that um it's like kind of how you said how like he's the anti-Zatoichi, is that, like, I, I kind of wonder what um, K 
Kenji Mufu. Oh, shit, I almost called him Mufume. <laughs> that would be weird. Misume? Um, Misume. It, like, I'm kind of wondering what Misume was doing with this movie. Like, it, it, to be honest, like, the actual, like, plot of this movie is not that, like, interesting or unique, like, all things considered. It's pretty much just, like, the typical Zatoichi story. Something happens. There's a love interest who's somehow related to the to the dead person. Fight ha- Fights happen. Movie ends. But the thing about what makes this movie unique is... I guess how different Zatoichi as a character is and how different, like, I guess some of the characters around him are. Like, yeah. Especially this Ronin who, like, you're not really sure, like, yeah, he's hired to kill Zatoichi, but he doesn't really have, like, anything else in this, like, any stakes in the story, unlike, like, a lot of the other villains that have been in it. And out of all the other villains, he is the dude who gives him the roughest time, too. Like, he beats Zatoichi's ass at the end, like, pretty hard. So, like, um, one of my favorite things that actually happens in this movie, especially because I just watched Silence not too long ago. Yeah, so have you seen Silence? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's a Martin Scorsese movie. It's it's about, like, Christian um, missionaries in Japan. And there's a part in that movie where um, they roll up a guy in a, in a mat and they throw him yes. into the river. Right. This okay, ha- that I see happens, you're going with this. The, it's played off as very serious, because obviously, like, it's basically the Japanese version of Sleeping with the Fishes. And um, that happens in this movie, but to a more comedic effect. It, this is, yeah, by far the weirdest sequence of any Zatoichi film. Because <laughs> the scene actually um, just cuts to him walking around in this mat like a like a big lumbering idiot. Like a, mas- like a mascot. Yeah, it's yeah. a weird goofy looking uh bamboo mat mascot like come see our bamboo mats here's our mascot bambooey anyway he's wrapped up in this thing when he's found out to be cheating at the dice game and there's a to do like <laughs> over which over which uh, yakuza get to uh take care of him get to kill him but he's laying down on the ground on this beach wrapped up in this bamboo mat and just before like a killing blow is prepared to be delivered on a wrapped up package that he is, he rises to his fucking feet. I don't understand this scene. <laughs> Can you explain this? Like, I, why does that happen? I have no explanation. I, I figure it's um, retribution for the cheating and gambling. I do not know really why it plays out the way it did, mostly because I imagine the director thought it was a good idea. And then like, He's like, I really don't know what his out is here. So yeah, this is like this is the pulp novel uh, miracle moment that happens. Like it might just be somebody who breaks the chair that they're bound to. It might be somebody finds that one last bullet that they weren't aware of for their gun. In this case, Zatuichi is able to lift himself from a line fat flat prone position in a bound state up to an upright one. And then he proceeds to just, like, fight off a couple of guys with a stashed-away hairpin that he has. Um, Real weird. Which which he got from, you know, said love interest. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks good, but it's also, like, I don't know if I can suspend my disbelief for that. It's incredibly fucking strange. Like, it's a really weird thing. Yeah. You know, like, it's odd because I don't know how to criticize how to criticize or even if i should criticize it because at this point i mean like you're watching a movie about like a blind swordsman it's hard to really like distinguish any sort of it's hard to like you know really kind of gauge how realistic these movies are 
Oh, like, yeah. Like we were talking about with like the horseback scene in particular, which was really odd. But this that, is that's... by far like this takes the cake. It's yeah. the strangest thing. And it has nothing to do with him being blind. Like anybody in that position would not be able to lift themselves up like just by their heels and their toes to get to a standing position. The, unless the whole, you're the horseback thing could at least happen through sheer luck, you know? Yes, this is impossible. And it's just a weird thing to watch because they show it happen. And there's like a weird slide whistle noise that happens with it or some kind of like just goofy sound effect where it's like boing. And yeah, it's comedic, but you're also like, this guy was just riding a horse. Like he's had all these other failures. Why is this happening? And even more so, like to the point of him being blind and doing really cool stuff, there's this great scene in this movie when he's first... uh, met up with well not met up with but when he's given a hotel room with uh Sode, like he doesn't know who he's rooming with but he's told like oh yeah this other patron is uh, a woman but it's okay because you're blind she was willing to take you in so there's like a partition between him and Sode. And he's just saying like you know thanks for letting me stay here like i am blind so no problems there i won't be looking around and he starts eating this orange he's trying to share it with this person who he doesn't know yet is Sode for sure, but he's kind of like trying to feel out what the situation is. And he peels the orange and he starts eating like the bits of it and he's spitting like pieces of pulp out, but he's spitting them like, at first you think it's onto the floor, but they're going into the orange peel that he sat on the floor. So it looks like he's just spitting on the ground, but then there's this way shot where you just see like uh, Jotaro Katsu just chewing the orange and spits this piece out while his eyes are closed and it goes directly into the orange peel. Like it's amazing, but it works. Like he's able to do that. Or like when he pours tea from a distance or has that uh, dining scene with the, uh, the guy he's partnered up with the other Yakuza member. And he's able to like catch the meal uh, being stolen from him. Like he gets the fish back and all that. So there's like all this cool stuff, but then this impossible thing happens. And I'm just like, why? Why'd they do this? And, and speaking of cool shit, like I like I was talking about earlier about like the last fight in the movie between him and Yasaburo, like that has to be one of the cooler like last battles in any of these films. Yeah. Especially. And it's also filled with weird um, sound effects, too. Like there was one that was really I had to actually rewind this part several times because I was trying to figure out who was making this noise. But there's a part where uh, Yasaburo puts a rag in his mouth. I, yeah. I don't know why he does that, I guess. But I think it's maybe he's trying to, like, mute himself because he figures that Toichi relies mostly on sound, which he does. But He gets injured and is about to yelp. And he wants to, like, yelp out in pain. But he puts, yeah, he puts that in in order to not attract attention to himself. Here's the thing. Someone does yelp out in pain, though. Like, it's either Zatoichi or Yasaburo. I'm not sure... But it's this very inhuman sound. Like, it almost sounds like a donkey getting spanked. And, like, huh. I rewind it several times because I was trying to think, like, trying to figure out who was making that noise. Yeah, I I didn't catch that part so much during that scene. I'll have to go back and watch it now. Um, but that fight scene with Yasaburo is, is unusual in a lot of parts, not just because of that sound effect, but also, like, it's a uh, it's just the two of them, but there's a drum festival going on or not a festival, but there's a a, a drum concert happening on this hillside in promotion of a uh, 
a good harvest. I believe that's referenced in the uh, Takeshi Kitano movie too. Oh, is it? The, <sighs> yeah, because the one from like two thousand. Jason. Yeah. Okay. No, sorry, that wasn't a delay just now. I just lost the mute button because I had to cough. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Yeah, no. There, there's a drum. There's like a drum thing going on during like the last fight in that movie, like just kind of off in the distance. Um, but speaking of that weird grunt, uh, immediately after that is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in any of these movies, and that's the when Zatoichi gives Yasuburo the final blow, and he does it in like. Like a split second of movement, like it's so fucking crazy to watch, especially knowing that like there's no way of like editing that from like a computer. Like he just had to swing like the prop that fast, you know? Yeah, that's another part of this film. Much like that orange eating scene, for as minute as it is, it's like I can't believe they got that shot to work. That's the same thing I had when watching that scene, uh, this final fight scene is not only is the the entire scene tense because all sound is drummed out, literally drummed out by these booming drums, and you can just see the terror in Zatoichi because he's not able to identify where Yasaburo is in this like totally lit up forest. So you see Yasaburo with the advantage sneaking around Zatoichi and getting like his blows in. Like he's able to wound Zatoichi pretty well. And Zatoichi is like he gets to the ground, so you think Yasuburo actually has it. This is one of the most like tense fight scenes ever in these films. And yeah, the way it ends, the way it finally resolves, whereas Atuji just it almost seems like luck that he gets to do it at all. It, uh, but it's so quick. If you rewatch that fight scene, he does not have the upper hand at any point in time either. Like except for when he manages to land like that injury on Yasaburo like the entire the entire scene is just Atuichi at a disadvantage just getting his ass kicked and then he just lucked out pretty much at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um yeah and then of course, you know, Zatuichi leaves as he usually does uh to the theme of music about being sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's as he does. Also, um, the uh, the song that we used for the intro for this show, it was introduced a few movies back, but I guess it was so popular that they decided to use it again midway through this one. Yeah, they play... As kind of like a Zatoichi theme. When he's uh, crossing the bridge, they play it, but it was also the theme song in The Fugitives, which is actually what the giveaway was for me right. when I realized that I was watching the wrong movie because I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah... Um, good music in this one um i also want to point out like for me this is a a neat entry to get to watch again because it it is actually the first zatoichi film i ever saw it was back in like late 90s probably early 2000s i remember getting home uh late one night and turning on turner classic movies and they were playing uh this movie it was exactly at the scene towards the beginning when zatoichi decides to uh advance as part of that Yakuza enforcer role that he has. So it's like that shot of the inside of that darkened room to, and you just see like the door frame outlined. Oh yeah, and just the light from the outside is the only thing lighting it. And the snowfall back there. Yeah. That is exactly my first scene of ever watching Zatuichi. Like I remember that scene distinctly and I was thrilled to finally come across it during this uh this massive review project that we're doing. So, so that's interesting because like i was saying in the beginning how weird it would be if this was like someone's first satoichi movie 
because it's so yeah. there's so many like little subtle characteristics that are so unlike what he normally does yeah yeah um having gotten late that night that was basically the one scene i watched and was like i should probably go to bed but that was cool and i should learn more about it and lo and behold it took me about 15 years to get to that point <sighs> i'm surprised it didn't it didn't hype you up completely while you're watching it and you just started like hooting at the tv really late really loud well, that's that's usually how I watch TV. I'm like, really, yeah! really just really loud. It's like I'm watching a sport event. You're like, do it, pointing and clapping. <laughs> but uh, no, not this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very animated for no one in particular. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this as as far as like getting to know this film series and all, like I enjoyed this. It's definitely not a first entry for anyone though. Like. The shots, the scenes, it's, it looks very cool, and music is good, but there's just some parts of this that are so unlike other Zatoichi films that it doesn't really provide a great entryway. Uh, but if you watch, like, a few and you want to see something different, then, yeah, definitely go for this. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's like, a, story-wise, like I said, it's really not much different than, like, your standard fair Zatoichi movie, but it's a lot of the, like, really subtle, I guess, nuances of it that make it so strange i guess to watch like about him being an active enforcer yeah. and yeah. you know and, and like i said in i don't know if i said this in the beginning of this recording or like the five other ones we try to do like before <laughs> um but this almost seems like a prequel in a weird way like it's a you could almost watch this and be like this probably took place before the other ones and you know there's nothing really disputing whether or not that's the case i don't even know if that's what the director was going for but it, it just it's it, it it seems like it's a lot of it's a lot of, it's almost like a look into his past especially with like the gambling and you know and being an enforcer and stuff like stuff that's referenced in the other movies but never shown um but overall it was good i mean it was interesting it had a mm -hmm. lot of great action um especially like i said at the end with that that final killing blow that he does there's a lot of jarring moments like with the the mat and you know it, it's weird to watch but almost like i kind of almost expected at this point because like these movies get a little cheekier as they go on mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i guess that that bound and mat scene probably isn't that unusual for the film franchise at this point but it's fucking strange to see out of context it's real weird yeah like even just like having been used to the film franchise as I have been in other parts of this film, like the orange eating scene or, or the carnival scene where it's at least like somewhat good and realistic. And that, that carnival scene, by the way, is hilarious. Like I do love him, uh, hitting all those, uh, uh, what are they? Not the Doraemons, but the, um, the little good fortune figurines. He's able to hit those as a blind man, uh, with great deals of success. And the couple who runs the game is also very funny. Like, that woman pulls some face that's just awesome. And that was the thing I mentioned before about, like, the weirdly... I think I said this off-air, but how, like, a lot of the women in this movie were wearing, like, very, like, modern makeup. Like, that lady had, like, the same makeup routine that, like, my mom has, you know? Oh, uh, okay. I was okay. like, man, yeah. she looks pretty 1968. Which, yeah, my mom's style yeah. hasn't changed since 1968, so... Yeah. <laughs> Right on. But um, yeah, overall it was good. I mean, I I'm I'm really, uh, 
The worst thing about this movie to me is the fact that it's not the one that's after this, which is Zatoichi meets Yojimbo. Yeah, that's, so we're, we're finally this there. Is by far, I, I'm so looking forward to this next one, uh, Zatoichi meets Yojimbo. That yeah, I'll probably be watching it sometime this week in advance of our next recording, uh, well in advance of our next recording, just because I'm I'm thrilled to see this. So. Yeah, uh, Samaritan Zatoichi um, from 1968. I, not like a beginner's film, but you're still a good movie. But you're still you're still okay in my book. All right, so that does it for uh, movie number. I uh, by the way, I got the number wrong in the last episode. I'm sorry. I said that was movie 20. This is actually movie 19. I think it's oh, because. This is yeah, I think it's because we did Blind Fury and The Blind Menace, and it kind of threw me off number-wise. And especially because I realized our first episode, we didn't actually review a movie. So, like, it's got my oh, yeah. numbers all fucked up. <laughs> okay, well, at least we have them straight now. Yeah. So I'm going to actually edit that out, or edit that in the last episode, too. Um, well, at least in the description. You're stuck with it audio-wise, but this is movie 19. <laughs> okay. But, uh, all right, so that does it for the Blind Podsman. Jason, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, no, not the moment. Just uh, thanks for listening. Keep up with the show. And uh, what about you? You've got all Killcast coming yeah, up? Yeah, I got a, I, I put one out on Thursday or Friday some point. I think it was Thursday. I put one out on Thursday. I'm uh, probably going to have one out next week at some time. Um, yeah, that's about it, so... Nice. Uh, if you guys like Korean pop music, um, which I'm sure that's an intersectional audience for old ass samurai movies, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out the metrics. Yeah. All right. So that does it for the Blind Podsman. So for Zatoichi, for Kenji Misumi, for Yojimbo, and for Jason. Good night. どこで果てよと誰が泣く知らぬ他国の蝉が蝉がな じゃならねえ人来た時には目先が真っ暗になっちまう目先は鼻から真っ暗だよ風に追われた<笑> さすらいものよ死んでゆくときゃ一人一人旅 
Oh, oh, oh. 